You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. He is just an obsessive goal scorer. But they have to understand I chose to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And... Hey everyone, welcome to House of Champions. I am Michael Ahood, your host. I know I'm not Ian Paul Joy, but I am one step better. Michael Ahood here with you alongside my good friends, Nigel Coker, Beautiful background. Nigel, how you doing? I'm good, thanks, mate. Daddy daycare, doing what I have to do. On the cruise ship, taking care of the kids, but still watching the football. Great to be back on. Yeah, and then we have Charlotte FC's play-by-play extraordinaire, Eric Krakauer. Eric, how's it been? Uh, Good, not as well as Nigel. How do we get that background? (laughs) I'm thinking the same thing. I need to redo my background. Of course, Luis Lucho Garcia. Lucho, we had you on yesterday. How are you doing? Uh, Lisa Mike, just trying to keep the, the drama on. I mean, every single day <laughs> we have to come here and talk about one game that has been totally dramatic. And once again, we have one. So, yeah, let's go for it. Yeah, and those of you listening, be sure to like, subscribe, and comment. House of Champions, we're giving you two shows a day, really. And in the knockout round, the schedule will change. More info on that, as well as leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Why? Because we're worth it. Going on into the matches, the group stages are done. Match day three in the books. And drum roll, please, our producer, Des Norris. Let's look at the matchup. Guys, I'm coming to you, Nigel, first. Like, Take me through this. What do you think when you see this graphic and you see this bracket? I, if I told you that predicted any of this, I'll be absolutely lying to you. And I think there's no one on this panel who would have predicted some of these teams make it through out of their groups. I think it's something that we touched on before the start of this World Cup. This is a World Cup that's going to be very unpredictable. And it's turned out to be very unpredictable. And it's just, it's great to watch. It's great for football. I think it's great. And I think more so for me, I love the likes of seeing Japan and South Korea get through, especially close to that region. And I've always been a big fan of wanting someone else, someone new, a new nation to win the World Cup. 
to keep the beauty and the magic of football. And as we just watched today, I'm sure we're going to get into later, Brazil losing to Cameroon from out of nowhere, which is going to make Lucho even more nervous <laughs> for that Spain and Morocco game. It's great to watch. It's fantastic to watch. Uh, Dad, I am I'm enjoying so much this World Cup. Uh, this World Cup. That's how the words that I heard this afternoon, my kid. This is something very special. You know why? Because they say that now kids, they don't enjoy that much football, that they don't pay attention anymore, that they are, we have to change a little bit football. This has been a fantastic workout so far. A lot of uh, teams that we were not expecting today, once again, South Korea making a massive impression, getting the result and going through. And that's something that we were not expecting. Uh, Spain started very well. Of course, I got my eye on Spain, Morocco for this on this bracket. I'm... Mm. Really happy to see that we went through, but definitely a little bit of concern because uh, uh, we showed a, a, a good uh, a good team of strength in the first game, a, a lot of rhythm, a lot of intensity. But in the last couple of games, I've seen the, the, the team just with a little bit of doubts. And when you got a doubt in a team very young, you know that you can be in, in danger. And Morocco is not an easy cake. Is not a team that is going to allow you. You know that it's very complicated to, to score goals against them, very well organized, very disciplined. And yeah, I got concerned. So yeah, looking forward to what is coming uh, forward because definitely we got uh, cracking games coming. The one thing that stands out to me is how the quality difference between the best teams in the world and those other teams has really become smaller. Uh, you know, the the chance of having upsets is becoming more common. I don't remember a group stage like this ever. And so when you look at those round of 16 fixtures, you know that there are going to be a few upsets. You know, being Portuguese, once we get done with Switzerland, I'm hoping that we face Morocco rather than Spain, although an Iberian derby of sorts would be very uh, entertaining. Uh, I also think it's kind of interesting to see how some teams lucked out in finishing second. I think Spain being in the bottom of the bracket, having finished second benefits. Um, so uh, although I don't believe the whole narrative that was put forth that they weren't trying to win that game because they clearly were. So I, I just think that this is going to be rock and roll until the very end. Yeah, one game that I don't think anyone mentioned, looking at the top of the bracket, I'll have my eyes on the US MNT against the Dutch. Why? Because all you haters, you player hater, the guy in the hat, I'm looking at you, Mr. Rhea Coker, in particular, you're on vacation, you're still a part of this team, and you hated on my US MNT, and they're proving you wrong. They're going to do it one more time. Don't know why I'm whispering. I'm just that hype. <laughs> going into some of our predictions. One thing that you just came to us before we even go to predictions into this, Nigel, you brought up an interesting stat about Brazil losing this game. Yeah, Brazil, obviously, uh, we would have thought that they would be the one team to win all three group stage games. And apparently this is the first time it's happened again since 1994, I believe, it was the last time it's happened that no team in the group stages won every single match at group stage level. So that just shows, and uh, it just shows how competitive this World Cup is and how the gaps are closing. And I think watching that Brazil game today, for me, I love the fact that Cameroon got the job done. I don't know what the guys think, but for me, Cameroon getting that job done is really great for football because I do look at Brazil's squad, not the starting 11, but you look at the second team, maybe the third team, they are more than capable to win a lot of games at international level. And I think Cameroon getting that job done 
is great for football just to show that if you get the right managers, the right players with the right attitude, desire and commitment, as we always say, those same certain words, easy said, hard to do in a team dynamic. But when you get that, you can achieve great stuff. And I think when I look at one of the teams that make it into the next round, who's been one of the best at it, for me, in my opinion, is Australia. The way Australia play and apply themselves, when you talk about togetherness, teamwork, commitment, and being able to understand the game of football, yes, you can defend for a long period of time against so-called superior opposition who are better at keeping the ball than you and technically better gifted than you. But when you get that one chance and you take that one chance and you're clinical and you still apply yourself defensively for 90 plus minutes, you can achieve great things. And I think it's something you just have to admire. It might not be your style of football, but you have to admire because to be able to play like that comes with a great deal of coaching and detail as well. Yeah, Eric, what are your thoughts on seeing the likes of a Cameroon getting this massive result? I mean, Brazil, though they make changes, I think it was nine changes, the most they've ever made at a FIFA World Cup. I mean, that's a lot, completely different team. But to be an African nation like Cameroon, going into that last match and get a result, what did you see from them that you liked? Well, I think Cameroon played well throughout the tournament and they were a little bit unlucky uh, at times. You know, in Abubakar, you have... For me, somebody who is right on the cusp of being a, a world-class striker, he was unbelievable at FC Porto, did really well at Besiktas as well. And you saw the way he took that goal. He's multifaceted as well. It's great for African football to see African teams do well. You know, everybody talks about Conan being the most difficult qualification process for the World Cup. I would argue that uh, CAF is, is just as difficult because not only do you have to top your group, but then you have to go into a playoff once again. Just think about Senegal uh, you know, beating Egypt to get uh, to this point. And then things have to sort of go your way when you get into the group stage. And I think the differences between teams sometimes have been one very good play or just a little bit of luck. Just think about Japan with the ball not actually crossing the line according to technology. I do want to focus on Brazil really quickly. One of the things that was very apparent to me after the first game is that Brazil's predictability in terms of their offensive movement is greater without Neymar in pockets of space because he's the kind of guy who has a little bit of magic who can change the game any which way. And what we saw already in the second game was that Brazil was relying a lot on the wide players making the difference. Rafinha on the right and Vinicius on the left. And down the middle, they were very predictable. So it allowed Switzerland to really sit deep in a narrow block. So I think that even though Brazil is still one of my favorites, I do see them having some problems breaking down low blocks without Neymar. But having said that, I mean, this is just another great story. You know, not having teams win out, showing that there's a lot of quality across the globe. And it will be watered down in the next World Cup. That's the point that needs to be made. Yeah, totally. It's getting closer and closer. Every single team is very even to the other one. And the moment that you are a little bit disciplined and you are organized and you bring that identity on a high standard, you know that you have a chance. You guys are mentioning about um, the nine changes from Brazil. But have a look. Gabriel Jesus, Martinelli, Rodrigo, Anthony, Familia, mm. Fred. All of those are uh, in the starting of their own teams in the domestic leagues that they play top higher level Real Madrid and Manchester United, Manchester City, all top players. And today they couldn't make it. I think that a, a massive, massive credit uh, to Royal Son, the, the, the 
coach of Cameroon that did an amazing job because the team looked focused, never gave many chances, many space to the uh, strikers of uh, this uh, Brazil team. You know that Anthony, he was impressed in the first half, tried, you know that he's yeah. going to drop the shovel every single time, that Gabriel Jesus has been magnificent during the whole season and he's very dangerous, wants to show to uh, uh, his coach that he wants to be in the 11 and started from the next coming games for Brazil. So at the end, you have to give credit to Cameroon that today, once again, they cope with every expectation from this uh, Brazilian side. And at the end, they got the job done. And fantastic goal. If you see that cross uh, arriving from several goal line between the two centre-backs uh, with that fantastic header, it's today who have hold his shirt for a few more minutes <laughs> and swap it later on. And uh, that, uh, uh, that meant that he was sent off. But definitely, uh, I enjoy very much watching Cameroon, even though that they were not going through. Uh, I think it was a massive, massive result for them and for the future. Nigel, you have a question? Question. Yeah, and I was just going to say to the guys then, you're right in what you're saying, because I see the same thing where the gap between top teams and other nations is getting a lot smaller. Do you mm -hmm. think that's a problem in world football where these players now, yes, they're modern mm -hmm. athletes, but they're being coached so much in a robotic way that there's not enough freedom given to them to be individuals? And that's what Eric said, which made a great point. And he's right. Neymar plays with a greater freedom of individuality. And as much as we see so many talented players, they're going to be easy and predictable to play against because our coach is now not encouraging individuality in, in some of these teams. Like I know obviously Eric can speak for Portugal. Lucho can speak for, for the Spanish yards. Do you think that that's a problem? I, I personally think it's a problem as well in England where the, these kids are being coached too much and there's not enough individuality or personality being allowed to come through. You know, can, can I just say this? I think there's certainly an argument to be to be made or a discussion to be had about whether certain players are having their creativity coached out of them. But I actually think that the problem here is slightly different. You don't have a lot of times to a lot of time to prepare these national teams. So the one area mm. that you're really going to reinforce is the defensive block, right? Organizing the defenders. And then Given that teams don't have that much time to go through the attacking processes, you rely a little bit more on that individual ability, a player who has a little bit more flair to tip the balances. Neymar, in this case, in this discussion, is just one of those otherworldly players. You can argue that he, right now he with Messi and Mbappe, best three players in the world. So I think in this instance, for me, and unlike you, I was not a professional player, I think that's really the difference, is being able to have a player who has a moment of magic to unlock which it, what is a very well-regimented defensive line. Yeah, definitely. But where do you get that kind of players? Because they are not mm. anymore there. Before, 20 years back, every single team had two, three, four players who can be unpredictable. For me, the most important is that there is no more streets. We don't have the players who play on the street, who have that ability to adapt to uh, to the sideways, to the cars they are in front, to playing in front of against kids that they are older than you. You get that kind of abilities when you are younger, when you play on the streets. Right now, you got teams and uh, you got players, like, and I can talk with, in the same way like my kids. They go on a fantastic, perfect service. They play, they have the perfect bound, the perfect ball, the perfect shoes. They got everything set. So at the end, they are all predictable. They are all the same. The faster is the one is going to ride the first. The one who shoots harder is going is to be the one who gets the, the free kids. But at the end, no one gets something different. No one gets things out of the box. And that's why normally Brazilian, Argentinian, they bring 
something different. You can see Gabriel Jesus, no long ago, he was on the street play with the mates. And you can see when he's on the field, there's something that is going to happen. A turn, uh, a, a shot, a run. Uh, Correa from Atletico de Madrid, the Argentinian player, exactly the same. Those are the players who normally, they break those lines. They break those teams when they are very tight at the back. We don't have any more. And now it's all about physical, tactical approach, nothing else. And of course, they is getting even every single game. That's a big problem that the U.S. men's national team has had over the years. So many players, and Nigel, you've touched on this, a lot of suburban kids playing in structured environments, playing structured soccer. But as you said, Lucho, the creativity comes from those players who have that extra spark that, that really learn the Jogo Benito, as they say in Brazil, how, how to, to express themselves in the final third and in big games as if their lives depended on it. Well, a team whose lives depended on it will touch on the next match in this group, Serbia, Losing to Switzerland, Serbia two, Switzerland three. Lucho, I'm coming to you first because we had done sports line yesterday and mm-hmm. looking at this Swiss team, we both looked at each other and said, ah, oh, man, it's so hard to root against them. We both went with Serbia. How did this game unfold and why did Switzerland end up getting the result? I think that because they were not the Switzerland that we were expecting. We were expecting a Switzerland tight at the back, very organized, just keeping all compact, and let's see if we can send the ball to Mbolo up front. He can grab it and bring the, the team uh, forward. But we've seen a very, very good uh, Switzerland. I mean, they were pressing higher on the field, trying to not allow Serbia to build up from the back, knowing that if they allow to Tadi to grab the ball, Kosti to grab the ball, Petrovic up front to grab the ball, those are very important players. If you are on them, they are not going to have chances. And we've seen that in the first half, those players were involved. I think Dadic has made the best game of the of the season so far because in the first one and second game, he was not involved as much. Today, he was a key player for Serbia, but it wasn't enough. I mean... We are talking about players who can make the difference. Have a look at Vargas. You know that when he's on the ball, something can happen. It's quick, it's fast, the movements. And that goal that he put the, uh, to uh, Fleur in the second half with that backheel, that's just beautiful. It was fantastic build-up for that goal with Shakiri putting and chipping the ball over the head. I think that that's the difference of the, uh, Switzerland. That for me, I changed my, my view of them today because they show me that they cannot only defend well, they cannot only be very aggressive, they can score goals. They can do good football. And today was a fantastic game from both sides. But at the end, Switzerland was more um, uh, in the last, uh, grabbing the, the end product. It was mm. more uh, accurate. One player who was massive for them in the end product, Shakiri, MLS player. Eric, you've gotten to cover him. Shakiri, one goal, one assist in this group stages. Take me through what have you seen in his play not just in Major League Soccer, but overall with the Swiss national team, that he he just tends to deliver for them when it comes to this uh, this type of tournament. Well, it comes down to structure, right? Shakiri has always been, even though he looks like a box, he's always been the player who plays <laughs> outside of the box for, for Switzerland. And I think that's an area that he always tries to, to take up, right? The, the ability to create an imbalance with his movements and with his quick thinking. I do want to touch on, on, on something that Lucho said that I think is, is actually really important. We're, we think of Switzerland as a defensive team that likes to play in transition, wait for the opponents to make mistakes. It was interesting to see them try to force the mistakes out of Serbia, and Serbia actually took advantage of that. And there was a little a bit of counter-pressing from Serbia. In fact, their first two goals come from Switzerland's mistakes in possession. And because they're pushed up, there are gaps that can be exploited. Now, I think Akanji is badly beaten for Mitrovic's fantastic 
header. He doesn't read the movement quickly enough. But what was interesting to me about uh, Serbia afterwards is even though we saw them be very, very tight defensively against Brazil, it was because that was the game plan all along. Once they took the lead in this game, they couldn't find the discipline that they had against Brazil. And had they been able to do so, I think they would have been able to grind out a result here. But they continued to be open, and that let Switzerland or Switzerland's creative players make the difference. So from a tactical point of view, I found this to be one of the most interesting games of the World Cup. NRC, you got anything? For me, Mike, all I need to add to that, yeah, all I need to add to that is, is the fact of you've got to give credit to the management. I think for me, Switzerland came. They were aggressive. We all didn't expect them to be aggressive. And they got their reward. They got their rewards for being aggressive. They didn't just sit back and be this tight, defensive-minded team we expected. They went out. They got after Serbia. They made it uncomfortable. And they got the rewards. And it's crazy because when you look back at this World Cup with some of the results we've seen, so many teams were capable with the players and personnel that they had on their starting eleven to have the same approach and mentality. And they stayed away from it. And when they did, the results didn't go their way. So again, it, it, it takes a great manager and brave players able to do that. And also, you've got to read the opposition that you're playing against and what's at stake. But I give credit for Switzerland. They surprised us all and it worked out very well for them. Uh, but a player that I, I think doesn't get enough credit, and I loved everything that each of you have said, a player that doesn't get enough credit when you look at the Swiss team going into this league season, Briel Mbolo, this guy, he is just a handful. And credit to him, his movement in the box, his, his quality to finish. I mean, both his goals coming in this group stages were kind of similar. Service from the right and then just moving away, evading his defender and getting that tap in. He will be a big focal point for them in the knockout round. For the Serbian point of view, Lucho, you'd been high on this team. Where did it all go wrong for Serbia? It surely wasn't in the offensive end, was it? No, it wasn't. At the end, it's about the mistake that they make. And in the moment that uh, the Serbian teams um, start going forward, start committing players, they start making mistakes at the back. A lot of spaces in between the lines. And a lot, to be honest, and maladjustments at the back, no communication. And Bolo is right free in the second post. No one near around. And in the second goal, it's exactly the same. That cross that comes through the area, no one is near. No one is getting closer. No close-up. And at the end, you pay those mistakes. It's true that Mbolo is very difficult to mark because when he's on the ball, it's massive. So you cannot even see the ball. And I think that something that is very important that you just mentioned is every single time that he's on the ball makes two things. Worry the other people, worry the team, the, the opponent, and also giving the chance to your team to breathe. Because in the moment that he's got the ball and he's keeping it, the, the defense of Switzerland was moving forward, trying to allow them to rest a little bit, to close up, and, ten, and then have the chance of, of bringing players forward. Serbia, I don't know. Uh, to be honest, it's just about the mistakes that they made at the back because definitely up front, they make chances today. They scored the goal. They were ahead. So when you are ahead and you concede two goals very quick, that means that you have the, haven't done the, your job at the back. Lucho, I'm coming from the shadows. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> Said here to start, Lucho. Serbia, great team on paper, fantastic mm. talented players. But will they gel as a team? Nah, they kind of shown that. They're not really gelling mm. as a team. And it doesn't help with some of the so-called rumors that came out yeah. with certain Vlahovic as well. I don't care what anyone says. That does not help a situation. But talented individually, but not a team. I just don't see a well-gelled, well-drilled team. 
when you look at some of these other teams in this competition, you look at Switzerland, like I said, I, I use a, Australia as a great example. Japan, I love to use as well. I love what I'm seeing from those teams. Well drilled, well organized. I said it, and Michael knows it as well. Serbia, great individually, but they will not be a good team. And as you said, Mike, Embolo uh, Senza, he's birth nation home, sadly, mm, while representing yeah. Switzerland. And that's a big point, Nigel. He didn't Mike, celebrate in that, that first win against Cameroon. Go on. He, he didn't, Mike. When's USA going on? <laughs> well, they'll, they'll, you'll still be on your holiday, and when you come back, maybe they'll still no, be well, on I'll be back. I hope. Well, speaking of class, we're going to go and make classy predictions. Knockout round is here. All the group stage matches are done. Looking at these two groups, you have Brazil, number one in that group, Switzerland, number two. Brazil will take on South Korea. So the Swiss are second going up against Portugal. Eric, looking at that Portugal-Switzerland game, what's your prediction? How are you feeling about that? Just quick comment. I'm- I'm feeling pretty good. Look, they have a history of playing each other. They were actually in the same qualification group for the last World Cup, and Portugal just managed to pip Switzerland to top spot with a 2-0 win in the very last game. I think we're going to start uh, we're going to start seeing in that game Switzerland revert to the defensive block uh, or defensive uh, team that they have been throughout this tournament, and we know them as. They're going to allow Portugal to have a lot of possession. And one of the things that Portugal has shown that they have problems uh, in this World Cup with is penetration. All the players, no matter who you put in there, and that includes Rafael Leão, who's a guy who can stretch the field, they like the ball at their feet. They're not players who stretch the field without the ball at their feet. The one guy that they had who did that was um, Diogo Jota of Liverpool, and he's injured. So my question for Portugal is, how are you going to get through that defensive block? And another area that I see as a little bit of an Achilles for, for the Portuguese is defending in transition. Sometimes yeah. it's, it's defending in, in extremis. So, you know, a last-ditch tackle from one of the players, and that's where Switzerland can take an advantage of a team. I think Portugal will win that game, but it's going to be very close. For me, Portugal and uh, Switzerland, if Switzerland can manage to play the same way that they play today, I think the Portugal are going to be in trouble, definitely. I know that they have a lot of quality. I know that they they can have they can score a goal in every single moment. But Switzerland proved today that they can manage every single aspect of the game. They can defend well. They can be, I mean, Shaka today has been fantastic. He's been a, 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 a pillar there in the middle. So if they can manage to have that balance in between defense and attack, I think the Portugal can be in trouble. I'm, I'm, I cannot see Portugal winning if this uh, Switzerland team plays the same way like today. I'm in agreement with both of you. Nigel, coming to you, quick comment on the other match between these two groups. What are you favoring? You know, Brazil, a lot made about them. Will Neymar be back? Lots of question marks, but they're going up against a Korea team that you know they're riding the highs of highs. Yeah, Korea done fantastically well, and rightly so. You know, Tremendous achievement. And we've spoken before this World Cup started how they produce so many talented players, athletically, technically gifted, and great football intelligence. I still feel this Brazil team, the starting 11, even without a Neymar, when it's something with backs against the wall and now it's knockout stages, it's a different mentality. We're going to see a complete different Brazil against South Korea. And I think that they're going to get the job done. I still feel quality aspects, team dynamic, the way the team plays, how they're drilled from the back four. So that midfield, whoever starts in yeah. there, they've got players that are more than capable. And depending on how the game goes, Brazil have more options and weapons to come and change the dynamic of a game 
in an instant. And I just want to peg back on Portugal and I'm going for the upset. I just want to say I'm going for the upset <laughs> with Switzerland winning against Portugal, Eric. You make a great point. I just want to add to that. Yes, the Portuguese players will love it to feed because they're all lazy. They don't want to run in behind. <laughs> Rafael Leal is the one player that can be the difference, Eric, yeah. but he's being used wrong in this Portuguese setup. He okay. needs to be used in a different manner. That's it. Okay, well, we you guys have stated your cases. We're going to ask for the score, but we'll save that for later in the show. We're going to go to a quick break. Thanks, everyone, for being patient. This is House of Champions coming at you live. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to House of Champions. The soccer world's eyes are focused on Qatar for the biggest event on the global stage. Stay up to date with every story, every heart-pounding moment with the Golasso Starting 11 newsletter from CBS Sports. It's your ultimate guide to the beautiful game, taking you beyond the pitch and around the globe with expert analysis from the likes of Nigel Coker, Luis Garcia, and Eric Krakauer, as well as our entire team on everything you need to know in the world of soccer, sign up today for free at cbssports.com slash Galasso. Once again, it's the Galasso Starting 11 newsletter. You can sign up for free at cbssports.com slash Galasso. Welcome back. We are going to touch on, we've just moved from the matches that just finished up. We're going to touch on the earlier matches, Group H. H for what the hell did we just experience? And for those of you family people at home, yes, I said the H word because this group, these games, it was just pure madness. Lucho, coming to you first, that Ghana-Uruguay game, so much emotion, so much intensity, and it, it, it just defied all odds. What did you see in that one? No, it was fantastic to see both teams just going for it. Only one thing missing. I think Uruguay just went too short. In the moment that they, they were up front and they thought this is all done, we've been talking in this podcast about uh, not playing, don't, don't don't speculate with the results of the other games. Just go for what you need. And after, if you get shot, at least you have gave 100%. And today, we've seen another proof that you have to give everything until the last minute. Uruguay was all done. I think they, they thought, okay, we just scored two goals. We are all good, so we are going to go through. Even though that they knew that there was one goal in the other game, they could change the fate of uh, their future. So at the end, you need to go for it. Uruguay did uh, the job, but not enough. Ghana, I was surprised that in the last 15 minutes, they were just all done. They couldn't move. I see, I've seen Kudu, they was impressive once I went, this kid yeah. is going to be magnificent. They, he couldn't even uh, move. He couldn't even walk. In one of the counterattacks in the, la- in the minute 19th, he had to ask for the change because he couldn't move after an amazing job during the whole 90 minutes. So at the end, 
I was expecting a little bit more from Darwin Nunes. I was expecting a little bit more from Luis Suarez, even though that he was uh, involved in the, in the two goals. But this Uruguayan team had enough to get that result and go through, had enough to score another goal. I was expecting a lot more from Ghana that uh, today really disappointed me a little bit because the intensity was there, the rhythm was there, but at the end, product wasn't there. So good result for uh, Korea because Uruguay needed one more and didn't get it. Eric, you know, looking at this game, this is a group that Portugal is in, and we'll touch on Portugal later. But for Uruguay, this has to be an absolute disaster. First time for them, I think, in the last five World Cups, not since 2002 that they failed to qualify from the group stages. How does this happen if you're a team like Uruguay? Well, let me just start by saying something that's going to sound counterintuitive. I thought that Uruguay was going to be the dark horse in this competition, and I had a feeling that they could upset Brazil Mm -hmm. if they finished second in this group because I think in terms of matchups, they have the sort of qualities that could make it life very difficult for the Brazilians. But having said that, I think that you have to lay the blame at the feet of Diego Alonso, the coach. We know that Uruguay traditionally has always been a 4-4-2 defensively-minded team. But this is a bit of a golden generation with a lot of attacking talent. And I think the mistakes were made in the first two games where he went a little bit too defensive against Portugal in a 4-3-3 with three center midfielders who are not creative. These guys are workers. Yes, you have somebody like Valverde who can stretch the game. He can shoot from distance. He's got a very good passing, but he's not a guy who's going to take advantage of, of tight spaces. So I think that Uruguay's downfall was that they were too conservative. They kept Jorge Andiares Galleta on the bench until this game and look at the difference that he made. Palestri wasn't very good in the first game, but had an impact off the bench against Portugal. So you understand uh, the fact that he started. So at the end, they just had to do, and I think this is the point that Lucho made, they had to do too much uh, in this game in order to overcome the mistakes of the previous two games. Although I will say this, my asterisk of this game is that I think Cavani should have gotten the penalty. Um, he was tripped inadvertently when he, when he ran into the box on the left side. I think a lot of people were focusing on his upper body. But if you look at the bottom, the Ghanaian defender, I forget exactly who it was, tripped him inadvertently. That's I know right it was back. checked, but for me, it was, it was a penalty. So I think they will feel a little bit hard done. But at the end of the day, look nowhere else other than Diego Alonso. Nigel? Jesus Christ, Matt. You know, Eric's just taking all my talking <laughs> points. I've got, I can't even say anything now. I was going to bring up everything about that. I was just going to ask uh, Eric and Lucho a few questions. How much of a massive underachievement is this for Uruguay? Because I had them as well as a big dark horse. And personally for me, I think Valverde for me has the right to be put in the category as one of the best midfielders in world football right now. And another player who I like as well, Eric mentioned, is Alaskaeta. I've had the pleasure of watching him play for Flam- yeah. Flamingo. And he is an absolute sensation. With the talent that they have, how much of a failure is this for for Uruguay? And do you also think that Darwin Nunes is still struggling from his move from Benfica to Liverpool and that might not have been the right move for him? I'll take that up for you first, Lucho. No, yeah, definitely. Darwin is still trying to find the confidence that he he needs to to, to develop, even though the the manager has proven that he's got everything that he's going to show. But when on the games, I'm still missing the player from uh, Benfica where he was the main man, when every single ball was on him, and now he needs to find that rhythm. Uh, He couldn't find it just in the past maybe month, a month and a half. Uh, at Liverpool, you could see some some movement, some some finishing from uh, this, his, his Benfica side. 
but not yet we've seen the player that I think he can become because he's got everything. He's got the pace, he's got the ability, he's, he's got the strength, he's a big lad, so he can go very good in the air and he can be a very good finisher. But definitely when you are in front of the goal, you need that confidence to try to put it in. And we've seen that with, for example, Luis Suarez for many years. In the moment that he's on fire in front of the goal, you know he's going to score 30 goals during the season. That's what we need from uh, this uh, Darwin uh, Nunez kid. Uh, definitely, I was expecting a little bit more from from the, the, the team, but your guys are a bit, have been talking about creativity. This is a team that he doesn't have any player who can change the world. And we've seen Valverde trying to, uh, to his luck from half of, uh, of the pitch. Fantastic shot because he's got an amazing strike, but you don't have a player who can drill two players and score a goal. You don't have it. You cannot. You don't have a player who can make a dribbling like uh, Tadic we've seen today. Two players, and then I put without looking a ball in between the lines to make the goal. Or we've seen also Son in the other game trying to make the run arrive, have the composure to stop and put the ball in between the legs of a player and set it up. So that's what what is missing in this team: a lot of uh, battle, a lot of legs, a lot of uh, height, uh, a lot of run. But at the end you don't have that creativity up front. And you need one or two to try to go far in this competition. They don't have any. Yeah, I think this World Cup disaster and, and failure was down to the hands of not just the players, but Diego Alonso. And rumor has it Alonso stepping down as manager. We'll have that confirmed to you whenever we get proper confirmation. But when you have Diego Godin, three players to the old heads for this Uruguay team, Diego Godin, Luis Suarez, Edison Cavani. They've been part of the mainstay of this team for the last couple of World Cups. But when you have Diego Godin, who is not the same Godin as he was with Atletico Madrid, Lucho, you've seen him thrive in La Liga for the last decade, but he is not that guy anymore. Why not give this team, why not give ownership to the likes of Jimenez, who's at the Atleti, who I think is a proper defender, the likes of Cuates, who's having a good season in the Champions League that we get to watch on Paramount+. Plus week in and week out, match day in, match day out with Sporting Lisbon. He's also a captain. These are players who are ready to thrive. I don't think Uruguay, the future is not as bleak as this tournament might suspect. You still have Darren Nunez, who is going to get better with more matches and experiences. You still have one of the best midfielders in Fede Valverde. And Bensacor, I think he was a big miss. From the Ghanaian side, to sum it up, PK's and shining moments, you have to take him. The ghost and the nightmare of 2010, Andre Ayu. He will not be allowed in Accra for the next two years. I promise you, I'm from Africa. I know how this works. Stay in London, bruv. Stay in London because you just let your country down massively. And we're going to turn our attention now. Eric, I know you've been just teeming to talk about this match. Your very own Portugal, Eric Krakauer of the Fighting Krakauers of Portugal. Take me through this game. Portugal, South Korea. I'm going to give you the headlines. Portugal won. South Korea too. How is that possible? Oh man, I did want to say something about Darwin Nunez, but I know we don't have time. So I'm I'm going to I'm going to talk about uh, Portugal. Look, I think that we saw exactly what we expected to see against uh, South Korea. South Korea is chasing the game. They're chasing the result. Portugal didn't want to play any of the of the midfielders who are at who were at risk of getting yellow carded and missing the round of 16. Only uh, Neves uh, was the only player who had a yellow card who played, and and he's not one guy who's going to get himself into trouble. He didn't go into any tackles. But in terms of sort of the modus operandi of this game, we saw the same Portugal: a lot of possession, but difficulty penetrating lines, difficulty getting b- the ball behind the last line, the the goal, the Portugal. Happened 
got him paused a bit. I, I think what Eric was trying to hit on, and Nigel, I'll jump to you next. What Eric was trying to hit on. Oh, he's back. Deserved a win. Did you guys lose me? Yeah, a little bit. Can you repeat that? Bit? Yeah. The, oh man, I made I made so many the, good the points. Gods <laughs> said, <laughs> no, what's that, Nigel? The falling gods said, "Pipe down, yeah, Eric." The falling <laughs> gods said, "Pipe down on Portugal." All right. I would eliminate the down on Portugal. <laughs> they didn't play well, Nigel. The floor is yours. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. That's what we were looking for. No, I mean, listen. I I I think Portugal are a good side. I really do think they're a good side. Like Eric said, and he's hundred percent right. When you just talk about tactics and analyzing them. It's that willingness to run in behind. So many of these teams now, like you said, so many players are so programmed now with systems and formations and styles. There's not really that many that want to run in behind. They all want the ball to feed and do it. I think, for me, that the main man that I believe is Portugal's new star that should be really put in that front line is Rafael Leal. When he gets the ball at his feet and he beats players, isolate him in one-on-one situations. It's not a normal, natural talent that he has. But when you don't use him in the right way, when you don't encourage him, and I'm sure probably Ucho can, Ucho can add to this, when you've played with players where they're just that good, when they get balls in one-on-one situations, you give them a basic foundation of what you want from them in these areas and everyone else has to do runs or movements because they know what's going to happen. Rafael Leal, for me, is the one. I think there's still this whole, whether it's a honeymoon or whether it's a 21-year-old anniversary, this whole Ronaldo thing being in there and everything has to be Ronaldo-centric, everything about Ronaldo. It's like there's a time when you have to move on. I think, uh, for me, that's what I see in Portugal. I feel that he's the one that needs to step up. He is the real future of Portuguese football, the next superstar that needs to get a lot more attention with the ability he has to run with the ball and also to make great runs in behind. With Bruno Fernandes in there staring the shit, you've got another player that's more than capable to unlock defence doors with his passing ability and his vision. So uh, I think for me, it's going to be a very tricky game for Portugal. But if they don't use the players that they've got in the right manner, they will struggle. Yeah, definitely. For me today, it was, you know, when Portugal knows that they are going through, the players are in. So at the end, then the mindset is different. Of course, you want to show off to the player, to the team, uh, to the manager, sorry, that they, you want to play. Maybe he can count on you. But at the end, some of the players are thinking about what is coming next. That is, uh, in, uh, you cannot control that. It's, it's in your head because you don't want to get injured. You don't want to get, get be sent off. So at the end, you are playing against a team that is, is that and if they if they don't win they're gonna be out so the 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 mindset is totally different and they knew the plan that Korea had it was fantastic we are be, gonna be very tight organized we're gonna have one or two and then maybe we, if we can score those goals they got quality and they, they, let's don't forget that I mean Vitinha I enjoy very much watching him play a player who when at that time PSG played 40 million for for this kid uh, uh, from uh, Porto and today showed that. Yeah, he can manage Portugal in the middle of the party. He's got the ability. He's got the the vision. He's got the talent to do it. And I, I'm not. I'm. I'm not. I mean, I wasn't. Impre- I, I was concerned when he arrived to Paris Saint Germain. But now I can see there is a massive future for Portugal uh, uh, in the coming years. And of course, Rafael Leao is a player who we all love to watch him play. But it's exactly what you're saying, uh, uh, Nigel. If you have a player like this that he can break lines, he can be players, you have to isolate it. You have to not have one player near him. Allow the players in the middle to bring the ball in one pass to him and let him let him do the job. Just wait for the ball to arrive inside of the box because he's going to do the job. The strength, the speed, the power that he's got is just fantastic. That 1v1 yeah. is like Mbappé. If you're going to have Mbappé and you're going to surround him by players, there is no chance that he can do anything. Just isolating him in one side and let him do the job. 
But of course, you got Joao Mario, you got Cristiano Ronaldo, you got players who won the ball. So that's something that uh, Portugal needs to continue working on. But I still think that at the end, it was more because of the desire of the other team, not because Portugal did play very bad. Yeah, one player who I think really impressed me in this game. Horta gets the goal, but Diego Dallo, he's been on fire for Portugal. And Eric, you can back this up. Goal or an assist in four straight games for the national team. At what point does he become more of a consistent contributor? Shout out to Pepe as well. In that first half, not the second half, Pepe with a blinder of a pass. Diagonal balls, spraying it back, rolling back the years as we saw when he used to have hair. Yes, he used to have hair. We can look at Google to see the photos. For the other side, South Korea, we got to give the winners. This is the house of champions, not the house of losers. The house of champions, man. We got to give credit to the team that won. Yun Min Sung finally arrives at this World Cup, and it was a crucial moment. Lucho, you've been a guy who delivered on the world's biggest stage in the Champions League. What did you see in that moment that really helped South Korea get to the knockout round? You went into my head because right now I'm just uh, watching again that that play from and so on. I mean, the, we we need to to think about that. It's 90th minute. I mean, these guys have been running the whole game, and that intensity from Son, that desire from Son to get the ball, start dribbling the ball, arrive to outside the box. When he's there, he realized that he's got three players around him. Stops. Mm. Yeah. Hold for a second. Wait for the other teammate to arrive after 60 meters. See the pass in the right moment. The perfect touch. No harder, no softer. The perfect touch in between the legs to put the ball right in the place to the finish. I mean, tr- uh, trust me, is one of the most difficult things that you can have because you're tired, because you're unbalanced, because you mm. arrive and you don't see anything because you tr- you need to breathe at that moment. That's some uh, is been really, really unbelievable. That pass is just outstanding. I mean, from different world to have the ability, the composure to do it. The finish is just great, yeah. of course. But the ability to arrive that in the 90th minute, trust me, very, very difficult to do. Just coming from a, a, an outstanding player. I don't think there's much I need to add to that. You know, I watch him a lot in the, in, in the Premier League, and I think he's, he's just absolutely sensational. You'd have to say he's one of the top bracket players in the Premier League week in, week out. You know, even when he went through a difficult stage of not scoring yeah. goals, it, it it was nothing that you'd ever say, oh, I'm worried about him or he's lost it or he's not the same player anymore. No, it, it, it's always been there for him. And I think that he's a great ambassador for football as well. And what he's doing is going to inspire such a generation from South Korea. We've talked about it as well. South Korea and Japan are nations that maybe a lot of us don't know so much about, but they always produce sensational players, technically gifted, athletically gifted, and they've got great football intelligence. And I see that region of nations just only going to get better and better and stronger and better with the players that they continue to produce. But like Lucho said there, it, it's not just a, an average player that can do that. It's the top 1%. Slowing yourself down with everything going on. You're tired, you're fatigued, you're mentally drained. But to still have that extra bit of desire and that calmness to be able to, to, to articulate yourself in this footballing sense to take that opportunity and do it. it it's great. Can I, I just, just add something just there, real yeah. quick? A, a player that I, I think deserves a lot of praise for South Korea is Wang Inbom, the number six in the center midfield. Mm. For me, has been one of the most poised midfielders in this competition, and his engine just lasts forever. Uh, and, and a little thing to add to that, also, Paulo Bento is the coach of the, of the 
Korean national team. This is a guy who was in charge of Portugal for a long time. He knows how Portugal ticks, and he had the perfect game plan against them as well. Oh, Eric, I think you might be previewing who takes over for Fernando Santos <laughs> in the future. Just putting no, it out there, your bookies. <laughs> no, I, and I thought you were going to say Cho as well. He had the glancing header that set up the first goal for the Koreans. Congratulations Mike. to you, South Korea. And Mr. Nadriel Coker, only if you talk about the predictions next, but go on. No. Just make sure you keep putting out Lucho's name out there for managers' jobs as well. You require a manager. Hey, Lucho, I can hey. help you there, mate. I'll be there. I tell you what, from your lips to the board and federation's ears, we love Luis Garcia as well as all of you, which brings us to this. Knockout stage is here starting tomorrow. We'll preview the first one, the big one, my USMNT, your USMNT, everyone's USMNT, US men's national team against the Netherlands, Argentina against the Aussies. We'll start with USMNT. What's your prediction? In that game, Lucho, coming to you first. Uh, I'm excited. I don't know what to say. I don't know. <laughs> we are talking <laughs> about the U.S. men national team. That's exciting. Listen, yeah. Uh, I'm if 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 we were thinking, I, I I had the U.S. men national team to go through, and if you want to play against the Netherlands at some point, is right now a team that is with a lot of doubts, a team mm. that is very open, a team that is not finding themselves that what they were in the previous uh, uh, months and a team that at the moment is vulnerable. And if you bring intensity onto the game and you know that this uh, U.S. national team is gone, you can hurt them. I'm not saying that you can win 5-0. I'm not saying that because we all know that maybe the U.S. doesn't have that ability to score so many goals. They struggle yeah. to find the, the net. But definitely you got players so we all have in, in our mind policy. We got McKinney, you go right the front, you go charging. So you go place that you know that you can capitalize. But definitely, if you you have to be very organized. And the moment that you open a little bit, in the moment you allow the Netherlands to believe and to keep the ball for a long time, that's the way that they like. You know that uh, Frankie, you're in the middle of the park, is the player. You have to have always an eye on him. I think you can give them so much trouble. And then Anything can happen. We are talking about the Netherlands, a, a team that is one of the favorites in the beginning of the competition, one of the dark horses. So, yeah, I can give a credit. I didn't say a result because I can't. I, I want to pull my <laughs> my heart on the U.S. Men national team. Come on, but Lucho. I still I asked that. Yeah, exactly. I'm trying to pass that <laughs> that Lying, that Lucho. love. Right yeah. Let's go. Let's go for it. Yeah, yeah. Let's go for it. Let's say that the U.S. May, um, makes it then and go through. Oh, uh, man, Jimmy Conrad. Don't let Mike proud. force you. Mr. Rhea Coker, don't about you? let Mike force you. Don't let Mike force you, Lucho. <laughs> Eric, you can have the floor. The floor is yours, Eric. Well, I think that it, when it comes to matchups, I think this is a really good matchup for the U.S. national team. Uh, you know, this is a team that has, since Greg, Greg Berhalter has taken charge, has had trouble breaking down teams when they have a lot of possession, when the U.S. has a lot of possession. And I think this is going to be more of a transition game for the U.S. with the mm -hmm. Netherlands wanting to control the ball, particularly the pace. Um, one of the things that is is being reported is that some of the players are sick with, with the flu or with yeah, the cold, yeah. and that, and that oh, includes, right. includes uh, Frankie de Jong, which could be very detrimental to that team. But I, I honestly think that the, the, the sort of run that the U.S. is in the confidence that they're they, that they are playing with, I think they have a very good chance of beating this Dutch national team, who I don't 
think under Luis Van Gaal yet, although they're playing some of the best football they've played in years, although that's not that hard to do considering that they haven't qualified for major tournaments, I still don't think that their identity is fully established. I still think that there are weaknesses for this team, particularly in, uh, behind the wingbacks. So I'm gonna, I would put my money on the U.S., I am worried about Josh Sargent not being available. I thought he was outstanding against Iran, uh, running into a lot of spaces to open up other spaces for other players. I think he's the U.S. number nine of the future. So let's see who who plays in in his role and if that person does as well. Yeah, Nigel, you got anything on the U.S.? I know you're rooting for him. Well, well, the producer wants me to be quick because it's USA (laughs) and time's running out. If USA want to give themselves a great chance of winning this game, they have to high-press the Dutch. They have to be mm. aggressive. We've seen how vulnerable the Dutch look when they try and play out the back. They still that lack of confidence within themselves as players and really kind of understanding. USA have to be aggressive in this game to give themselves a great chance. If they sit back and show the Dutch too much respect, I think the Dutch's quality will come through in the end. And also, they do have a lot more players who are a lot more clinical, more dangerous in the final third, more goal threats than what we've seen from the US. We've seen it that creativity and goal scoring is a bit of a problem. They've had a fantastic World Cup to get this far, but if they really want to have a chance, they've got to be aggressive straight from the off and make the Dutch uncomfortable. It's not about sitting back. It's being aggressive, front foot football, and going hard. Yeah, you want a result, right? Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I was going like to say, what's your result? Oh, my result is going to be a very tight game. I'm going to go 2-1 yeah. USA. Oh my gosh! I think I've seen everything. I think I've seen. They're going to lose now. I you know back them. They're going to lose now. Every time <laughs> I, I've got a good them, they've won. But now I, I'm backing them. They're probably going to lose. <laughs> no, this is where your kiss of death in the predictions table turns around. I think USA wins. I think it's going to be close. I'm saying one-one. Penalty kicks. Penalty kicks, folks. This USMNT is going to be coming of age. 1-1 penalty kicks. Don't think the Dutch have it. And in no the final matchup. Mike. No more drama. <laughs> no, you can't. In the final matchup of the day, it's Argentina versus Australia. Very quick on this. Because I know our producer, Des Norris, will have a kind word with me if we don't. Very quick on this. Lucho, what's your prediction? Argentina, yeah, Australia. Is that, this is the easy one. So I'm going to go with Argentina to, to get the job done. I think yeah. that uh, the Aussies are going to put a, a good fight. We all know that they, they've done it. They, there is a fantastic reward for them to, to be here. But I think that Argentina has got too much. And if they play the same way that they play in the previous game, I think with that intensity, with that passion, I think they, they will go through easily. Uh, Mr. Krakauer, what are your thoughts, Argentina, Australia? Well, look, I think Argentina is going to win, but I'll tell you one thing. You're not going to see the Australians do what the Polish and the Mexicans did, which was go into a game against Argentina with the tails in between their legs. They're actually going to try. They won't have much of the ball, but they're going to be aggressive. And when they play uh, in the counterattack, I think they will commit numbers forward. So it's going to make for a good game entertainment-wise, but Argentina should see Australia off fairly easily. Yeah, Argentina have too much quality. For Australia, I think Australia are going to be very hard to beat, very resilient, going to be determined, show a lot of grit, show a lot of uh, uh, culture behind them in, in the sense of being Australian. But Argentina have too much quality. And the other thing I've seen about Argentina is they're starting to get into the form. Yeah. What best time to get into your form in tournament football when you're in the knockout stages? Because we're seeing this Argentina grow from strength to strength. And this is the time when you need to be in your best form. Uh, so I think and, that Argentina get the job done. And that's the point. And I agree with you so 
candidly and wholeheartedly. It's they're trending in the right direction. I go three nil Argentina. They got too much sauce. There's a bit of bite about them and they will not fall to falling asleep against Australia. Well, this has been House of Champions. Thank you, Lucho, Nigel from Jamaica and Eric Krakauer. I think you're Eric, you're in Charlotte, but thank you for your contributions and thank you all for listening. Be sure to like, subscribe and comment. And as always, see you next time. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.